When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business, where we are putting the business back into lady business. Today, we have a very exciting guest. It's Susie Walther. She's the chief people officer at Carta. Um, I've been wanting to do something, and we'll talk about what Carta is in a second. She will explain. Um, I've been wanting to do something on, you know, options, warrants, shares, equity for a while and really needed somebody who literally explains it on a daily basis. And so here today we have Susie. Susie, welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. It's so great to be here. Thanks. Um, So let's first just go back a little bit into your background. You're the chief people officer at Carta. Can you first explain what Carta is and then how you got there? Sure. Carta uh, is a company that is dedicated to making equity and ownership easy for everybody, just as easy as receiving a paycheck uh, from the company that you work at. And um, to do this, we have a pretty sophisticated software that is called cap table management software. And you can think about a cap table as the, uh, the platform that houses all of the equity for a company in one spot. So Carta, for example, we have our own cap table and everybody who has equity in Carta lives on that cap table. It's the source of truth, the record of who has their equity. And a lot of private companies out there, thankfully, issue equity. And they also have cap tables where they keep track of all of that information. Hopefully on Carta, uh, we are the largest (laughs) provider of cap table software in the world. And the idea is, again, we make it so easy that companies don't have any reason not to issue equity. And we make it easy on employees who have this equity to understand equity and ownership and how to take advantage of equity, because a lot of employees uh, do find it confusing, Jennifer. (laughs) Right. And so by equity, though, you mean ownership in the company, yes? Ownership in the company, 100%. Amazing. So a lot of people keep hearing about like, oh, you know, I could get this job. It's a startup. They don't have that much money, but I'll get equity in the company, right? And so what exactly that means is what we're really going to hit on and get like further into today. But let's talk about your background. How did you get here? You're chief people officer. It's like, 
um, you know, it's a big job running a bunch of people, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is, but I'll tell you, um, my path to Carta is an interesting one because I have been working now for about 25 years and I spent 22 of my 25 working years at a company named Bloomberg, which is one of the largest private companies in the world owned by, you know, Mike Bloomberg. And he is one of the richest men in the world, as you might know. Yeah. Uh, former mayor of New York City. And former mayor of New York. Yes. Incredibly successful. Um, But what you might not know is that while it's one of the largest private companies in the world today, they do not have a concept of equity or ownership at Bloomberg. And so as I grew in my career and helped, from my perspective, help build that company, I felt uh, incredibly lucky and fortunate to work for the organization. They they do incredible incredible things uh, and providing transparency to the financial markets. Um, yet I was never an owner. And when I met, uh, when I was lucky enough to meet Henry Ward, who owns Carta, and he asked, why is it that I stayed with a company for so long that I helped build? And yet I was never an owner in that company. It was a really good question. Yeah. And honestly, I felt a little foolish uh, as I reflected on that conversation. Why did I stay there for so long without it? And so Henry said, you know, (laughs) you need to come to Carta and become an owner yourself. But really, you you know, your uh, experience is so relevant because you didn't have that opportunity. Why don't you come and help us create that opportunity for others? And it just the mission of the organization just spoke to me based on my own experience. And so I'm here trying to help democratize equity and ownership, you know, make it easier for people to understand, push it out to more people so that the whole world can have an opportunity to generate real wealth and without equity and ownership. You just, you won't, you don't have that opportunity. It's, it's no, very different. Yeah. No. And it was a very real question you asked yourself because I've done the same thing, like help build other people's companies over a very long period of time. And it's like, you know, and sometimes the response is, well, you know, anybody could have done it. I'm like, yeah, but no, not anybody did. I did. How about that? Right. You know? Right. So, what you know, you have, what do you have to show for it at the end of the day? Exactly. Right? A paycheck, right? Like, so right. you're putting your all into it. You're not working any less hard than the person next to you that's getting ownership and equity in the Facebooks and the Ubers and the Googles and all those companies that when they started gave out equity, right? Um, okay. So let's talk about how that can look, right? And it's like, so what forms does it come in the equity? You will typically see it in one of two forms, either equity options uh, or restricted stock units. So smaller private companies um, typically issue options, which gives you the right to purchase the shares at a particular price. And when you're granted the options as as a new hire, as an employee, you'll receive the grant that outlines all of this. So you'll know right from the beginning, okay, I'm getting options or I'm getting RSUs. And if you are getting options... The company will tell you what your strike price is, what the exercise price is that will allow you once your options vest, and we can get into vesting in a minute, that strike price or that exercise price will allow you, is the purchase price that you are allowed to buy the the equity. So um, the idea is you you have uh, an exercise price that is relatively low. And in time, as you help um, as an owner of the company, as you help add value to the organization, you'd like to think that the company will become more valuable over time. And as that company is becoming more valuable, you'll have the opportunity to benefit from the spread, which is the price of your exercise price or your strike price against the fair market value of your company as it it increases over time. And that's where the real wealth can be generated. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So somebody comes and they want to work, you know, a card, whatever, a a startup, something like that. And they're like, you get XYZ salary and we're going to offer you XYZ options. Right. Um, Right. What questions should they be asking about those options? Well, they'll typically in the grant explain the option and they'll tell you how much the option is worth. You'll also want to know how many shares that represents because while it's valued at $1 value today, you actually hope that that value goes up over time, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And so you'll want to know how many shares you have so that you can keep track of that. A platform like Carta will have all of that in there for you as an employee, and it's very easy to understand. But if you, if you as an employee, if your company does not use Carta or a similar type of platform to administer this, then you'll want to actually track that yourself. So you'll want to know how many options you've got, and you'll keep an eye on that. And then you'll multiply your number of options times that spread between that strike price, that purchase price, mm-hmm. and that fair market value over time. And that's how you'll understand what they're really worth. And then, so the options, um, when you get them, they're often, oh, let me just back up too. So this also works as an investor, right? When you, Carta also works as an investor in a company, um, you know, like I invested as an angel in certain companies and one of them, my, my original one, which I invested in, in 2010, like didn't sign up for Carta until like the last year. So I was holding this actual paper certificate (laughs) that I was just like always scared. And I didn't really know what to do with it. Like, you know, and then the other ones as I joined, they're like, oh, we, you know, we are signed up with Carta. And then, you know, I can look online and I can see when my options, you know, vest if I'm on the advisory board or something like that, or when, you know, where my investment is and all the different information. So for me, it's been incredibly helpful because I've been on it probably, is it possible to be like eight, nine years? Is that possible? Yes. The company is about eight years old. So that, that is possible. So yeah, probably maybe seven, eight years with one of my investments. So um, instead of me freaking out, like constantly, like, where do I put all the stuff and like, make sure I have it? um, You know, it was in Carta. So let's go back to options a bit. And, you know, I'm an employee or I'm on the advisory board is another thing, you know, they give you a certain set of say, you're going to, you can have XYZ options. You can buy it at XYZ price, right? And this is how we're going to financially compensate you. Um, But you don't get them all right then, right? So they vest over time. Can you talk about what that means? Yes, vesting, uh, it can be quite confusing for people. Uh, It's typically you're going to receive a four-year grant. That is the normal length of a grant. And typically it's 25. This is typical. There are exceptions. You would receive 25% uh, of your grant every year. It's a four-year grant, 25% every year till you hit the 100%. But vesting means it's when you're, you actually receive the shares, the options. And so typically there is a one-year cliff, which means for your first year of employment, you're not receiving any options. You have to be there for a full year. And at your first year anniversary, you receive the full 25% as vested equity uh, equity options that you now have the opportunity to purchase. Mm-hmm. After that, vesting is typically monthly. And tools like Carta will alert you every month with a really nice email with confetti letting you know that your options have vested mm-hmm. uh, you know, for that for that month. Um, 
So vesting is typically four years, one year cliff is what's normal, although there are exceptions to that too. Some companies are backing it up to six months, for example, in this competitive talent market that we're mm-hmm. in. So it's it's not always a rule. The other right. interesting- oh, That's another great thing. Hold that thought for one yeah. second. Not to interrupt you, but it's like, that's another point. It's like, all these things can be, you don't just have to accept them. You can ask the questions like- it might be possible for you to vest in a different way. It might be possible to to get more or less more options and less salary or more options to keep the same salary or less salary and more. Like, you know, you can you might these things are all things you should ask questions and they could be negotiable. You know, the smaller the company, probably the easier it is to negotiate around, but they like to keep things very consistent um, for certain levels. But these are things that you should ask questions about, right? And not just accept. A hundred percent. Everything is negotiable around these yeah. things. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is that the equity is not necessarily going to be very valuable someday, depending exactly. on the size of the company, especially smaller companies, yeah. there's greater risk. And so you might want to, if you're going to a startup that's very early stages, you certainly might want to negotiate much more on the equity front because there's a higher level of risk associated with it versus mm-hmm. a late stage private company that's a lot more stable with a strong balance sheet. So I agree with you 100% negotiation yeah. is, is very important. Great. The other thing I was going <laughs> to share is that um, some companies, the other, you asked before, what information should you be looking for or asking about, right? And so in the grant, another thing that you might uh, uncover is whether the company allows for early exercise, which means that let's say that in um, I have that one-year cliff I was just talking about, where I have to be there for a whole year before my options vest. Some companies, like Carta does this, for example, will allow employees to early exercise, which means that even though I have invested in my first year, I, you know, I haven't hit my one-year mark, I have an opportunity to buy my equity anyway, to buy my stock anyway through an early exercise process. Now, of course, I, have to, I can't sell my stock until it's fully vested but I can early exercise. And why you might want to do that is for tax reasons. So at the time of early exercise, you can you have the opportunity to um, lock in the current value, the fair market value, whatever it is at that time. So if you think your equity, the options are the value of the company is going to go up and increase over time, it's in your best interest from a tax perspective to lock in the current fair value of the company, even though you're not vesting for many more months. And when you do that, you fill out a lot of paperwork to make this happen. And that is what an 83B election form is, which is the paperwork that tells the government you're early exercising and you want to pay taxes on the fair market value of the company today versus when they at your equity actually vests, which is at that one year mark, for example. So um, the process for an 83B, I have to say, is a bit painful. Uh, historically, you actually had to fill out paperwork and then go to the post office and have them, you know, postmark it. And you have to keep a copy and give your company a copy. It's a, a ridiculous process. At the moment, there is electronic filings that are that's going on thanks to the work that Carta is doing with some with the IRS to to change legislation around 83Bs. But um, it is, so there is electronic signature now, but it is a, it's certainly a process you have to go through for early exercising, but very, really worth it from a tax perspective. So can we just like use some fake numbers and go over that, um, what that would mean? Like, let's say you're given options that are worth a dollar right now, your strike price, right? And I might mess this up. So correct me because again, I learned from these two because- <laughs> 
<laughs> like this is partially totally selfish asking you these questions. Um, so, and it's a dollar, right? And then on the day of the grant, the initial grant, right? You don't, you have a certain period of time for the 83 B like, is it, it's the day, like the grant is of 30 days or something like that. Is that right? It's 30 days from the time you exercise early exercise. You have to fill out the paperwork within 30 days and get it to okay. the IRS. Okay. Oh, wait. So let's go back. Let's not use this, this example yet. So I start my job with XYZ Startup. Um, and that day they say, you're going to be given, you know, a hundred options. You're going to get 25 of them after one year. I say, you know what? I want to early exercise 50 of them. Is that possible? You can. Yes. Okay. Let's just say I'm going to exercise a hundred of them. I'm going to exercise all of them, but I'm going to do it six months after I started. Yep. And that's when I can do the 83B. But once they're vested, there's no early exercise, right? That's right. Once they're vested, they're yours to purchase whenever you like. So you're just purchasing them early, even though you technically don't have them. Got it. Okay. It's very confusing. Okay. So the the timing and the key with the 83B is actually prior to them vesting versus within the grant date. Yes, that's right. Think of it. So in your example, you said 100 uh, shares at a dollar strike price, right? That's when you were giving them. Let's say that that's when you were granted them. Yeah. So ideally, you would like to exercise as quickly as possible because right now it's worth a dollar, but in three months time, it could be worth $5. And if you wait to exercise until it's worth $5, you're now paying taxes on that spread between the $1 and the $5. And that adds up when you have a lot of options, right? So it's in your best interest to exercise as quickly as possible, assuming you can afford to do so. And that is a, a challenge. I mean, 65% of options go unexercised. And wow, do they really? 65%. Yes. So people who come in, they get are getting compensated this way. They go unexercised. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I actually wanted you on here, because I think like the big bury the lead is the fact that people have to pay taxes on these, right? And yes. they don't want to do it. They don't, they get scared. They don't know when to do it. There's so many different scenarios. Maybe it goes public and then you could kind of, you can gauge when you're going to pay because you're going to make money and you can pay out of that money. But like, if you exercise your options early and there's no, like no one's going public or buying them, right? You come out of pocket and then you have to pay taxes, right? Buy them, And then you have to pay taxes on top of that VIG and then hope one day, you make your money back. Yes. It's very daunting for this reason. And then a lot of people can't afford to even put the cash up to buy their, their stock, right? To, to, in our example, it's the dollar, right? I'd have to spend $100. But typically, your strike price is higher and or oftentimes is higher. And you may have to put up a lot of money to buy your options, to buy your right. stock. So first is how much you're putting up. And then, of course, the tax consequence. And you're 100% right that it may take years before you have an opportunity to sell them. I mean, the liquidity event of going public, that could take many, many years. Um, hopefully your company is going to run liquidity events in the meantime before they go public, but there's, they have no obligation to do so. And what so- What do you mean uh, by that, a liquidity event? So everybody who understand, listening understands. 
Sure. So, uh, of course, <laughs> so liquidity is basically the opportunity to sell your equity uh, to for cash. Mm-hmm. And um, companies typically, when you IPO or there's an M and A event, meaning you're, they're selling their company to mm-hmm. uh, somebody else, well, those are liquidity events for sure. You have an opportunity at that point to sell your equity, or at some point shortly thereafter of going going public or selling the company. However, companies have an opportunity to offer liquidity events throughout uh, before they go public, for example. And they do that through what they call a tender offer. So the company or another third party can actually buy shares from employees. And that's great for you if you're hoping to get out, you know, if, if you're ready to sell your stock and cash out, that's a fabulous opportunity. But the company is not obligated to do that. And so some organizations don't, and you could be holding your equity for a really long time. Now, add on the fact that if there's no liquidity event until they're going public or selling the company, you may leave that company before those events happen. And if you leave, you often only have 30 to 90 days to exercise your mm-hmm. options, right? which is called the post-termination exercise period. And if you don't, you lose them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, again, can't afford, can't come up with the cash to buy them. Yeah. And they don't have a very big window. Yeah, And so they're gone. They vanish. Yeah. And that's why I think that's another reason 65% go unexercised because yeah. it's hard for people. No, I, I had that example where I had to... I was doing a term of service and then I had to purchase them and then I had to pay taxes, which is just as much as when I purchased them. And thankfully at that time I had the money, but I would like that back. So (laughs) I'm waiting still for some kind of liquidity event where I can get paid back this money, you know, and then, I mean, I know that you're not a tax attorney or anything, but once you do that and you pay those taxes on that, do you have to then pay taxes again? on, you know, let's say that person, that post-exercise person, right? They, they end up buying their hundred options. They leave the company, they buy their hundred options, and then it went from one to five. So they have to pay, you know, $400 worth of taxes, right? The difference between the 100 strike price and the 500, what they had to buy it at. Um, And so they pay that those taxes, right? And then they have those shares. And then let's say the shares go up to 10, you don't have to answer this. You, do. you don't think you understand it, but I, I think like, I, I actually don't know. Do you have to pay taxes on top of that? It depends what type of option grant you have. Yeah. So if you have an incentive stock option, you up to a hundred thousand dollars, you do not have to pay taxes again. Mm. Pay taxes up, you only pay taxes once. And if you have a non stock option, an NSO, um, and then you do not. Yeah, then you do have to pay. Then taxes you do. Twice. Yes. So right. it depends on the type of grant. Right. Look, I think ultimately here, this is what the end of the day, like they're, they can be super rewarding options, right? And that having equity in the company, but there are a lot of things you have to understand about them and prepare, you know, for them and just do research and ask all the questions. I mean, ultimately that's what it is. It's not as easy as like, Hey, I have equity in the company. It's like, well, you have options. You have to purchase them. You might have to pay taxes on them. Understand what an 83 B election is, you know, they invest over time. What about in the case of um, getting fired, like without cause, like laid off. Is it the same post-termination situation for the most part? I mean, everything's a little different. 
Yes. I mean, it, it, companies, um, it's not one size fits all. It's to, it's to your yeah. point, you have to ask lots of questions. Yeah. And people do ask lots of questions they, uh, when they get offer letters. It is very confusing for yeah. the majority of people out there. So nobody should feel silly asking questions about their grant or right. how it works or what happens when they leave. Uh, so yes, typically your post-termination exercise period is the same regardless of whether you depart yourself or the company terminates you, but it doesn't have to be. And also some companies uh, have address the fact that 30 to 90 days isn't long enough. So in Carta's case, for example, with our employees who depart, whether we terminate them or they choose to depart, same rules, we allow them the same, the period is a lot longer. Well, the period tracks to how long they were employed by us. So it's tenure. So if I were to leave, I've been with Carta for almost two years, I would have almost two years to exercise. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Which is really nice, right? But not, again, not every company does. So you have, you have to ask questions around how that works. Yeah. Right, right. Um, awesome. No, uh, this is actually very helpful and has provided a lot of um, information just for me alone. And um, all right, so there's a million different things that we just learned about options, as I just said, but, um, and you just kind of hit on something that Carta is doing you know, for their employees. And that is, you know, extending the 30 to 90 day window to exercise. Like you just said, you get your tenure. Um, but, you know, Going into a few other things, because we only have a few minutes left, um, I know that Carta is making great strides as well around um, arbitration clauses. A client of mine, Gretchen Carlson, has been very vocal about getting rid of them because they do silence, you know, women, people of color for the most part from coming forward with harassment. Like, can you talk a little bit about those like policies that are actually um forward thinking, uh, they shouldn't even be forward thinking, but like of this moment. And like, you know, it's just really important as, uh, as companies and employees to have this kind of equality with each other. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Of course. Brag so. about that a little bit rather. <laughs> yes. Well, I, this was in place when I joined Carta and I had never heard of anything like this. And now that I've been working here for a while, I'm wondering why, it's such a unique thing to do. Uh, so at Carta, we have something that's called Next Chapter, which is uh, for all departing employees, regardless of why you're leaving the company, whether we're terminating you or you choose to leave on your own, uh, we never ask employees to sign paperwork to silence them. If they have something that they need to raise, we hope that they will raise it. We hope to know about it, certainly even before they leave. Uh, but we don't. We do not believe in silencing people when they leave. And so we don't ask, ask them to sign any paperwork. And we also give every person who departs a package, a severance package to help them with their next chapter, whatever's next after Carta. And that, that package, the amount of the package is determined by how long you spent at Carta. So it's, it's a 10 year award um, and it's quite generous and people really appreciate having the opportunity, getting, getting, of course, the money to start them on their way in their next chapter, but also appreciate the fact that there's no concept of signing and being silenced on the way out the door. So I think it's a really forward thinking thing to do. And I had never heard of such a thing. And now I just can't believe that the whole world isn't thinking the same way. I know having, I represent a lot of women executives going into jobs and, you know, and doing employment agreements. And so Uh, not only am I thankful for your explanation of the options, but I see a lot of arbitration clauses and I point out to them, you know, in particular, if they're female founded companies, this is exactly what we're fighting against. And most of the time I am not 
I am not successful in getting it out there, out of there, which is crazy to me. Cause I'm like, I get that you put a lot of money in and I get you don't want some, you know, open it up for like crazy people to just like make claims. But we have a legal system that kind of keeps that at bay. And like, they have to have real claims for an EEOC complaint. They have to have real claims to get in a court of law. Not any attorney is going to take it on just because of that. And like, it's just, it's, you know, so I just applaud Carta for being a very forthright about the fact that, you know, we should not silence, you know, people by arbitration clauses and force them to go into an arbitration versus an open court of law, um, which is public record. So um, that's great. Um, all right. So we have to wind up because I know that you have a real job here, not just to be a guest on um, on the podcast. So I ask everyone this question at the very end, and that is, what is the worst advice you've ever received? This is a tough one because like most women out there, I've received lots of terrible advice. <laughs> uh, I, I think you know to tie back to what I said at the beginning, I think the worst advice I ever got was... Um, that it's okay to work for a company that's not doesn't give you ownership in the company. It's okay to to kill yourself and work really really hard uh, for a paycheck. Yeah. And I just know now that that's not true. And as I said, mm-hmm. it took me twenty three years to learn it. And I learned oh, it the hard way. Yeah, I learned it the hard way too. When I was getting calls on Sundays, and I'm like, I work in the music <laughs> industry. Like we're not carrying cancer here. Like what is so important on a Sunday? Um, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but like, thank you because look, you know, getting ownership in a company is not like, it's not super easy either. And it's a big risk. And like, you know, so many people are like, Oh, I'm going to take a massive pay cut. So, you know, I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. It's like, if you're going to a place like Carta, you know, that's pretty established getting options um, is probably a little less risky than a brand new startup. So I think it's, you know, great to evaluate it all. I think the overall lesson is ask all the questions. There are no dumb questions because also the laws and the tax codes have constantly been updated around these things. It's also your state, your certain tax situation, your state tax situation, you know, there is a, you should just be prepared to be asking questions of your accountant to get an accountant, you know, to go to the chief people officer at the company and really like ask all the questions. And like you said, none of them are stupid Um, because here I am going, wait, I just learned so much just now. So, (laughs) but anyway, thank you so much, Susie, for coming on the show and giving us all of this education. Um, If people want to find Carta or work there, how do we, how do they get in touch? Oh, that's such a great question. Thank you for asking because we're hiring like crazy uh, and lots of roles to fill. Carta.com is our site. We have all of our roles posted, lots of information generally about uh, the company and what we do as well. So if you have questions about equity, more questions than what we could cover today, we have a lot of educational materials up there too for people. So definitely. And then if you're a startup and want to use Carta, it's the same Carta.com? Same thing. Yep. Amazing. Well, thank you everybody for uh, tuning into this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.